Hallelujah. God is on the move. Amen. Hallelujah. Francine, come up here. Come up here. Tell the people what you told me. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you expecting great things? I'm expecting great things. Great things are already happening. Amen. Recently, I was diagnosed with a tumor on the parotid gland. You can't feel it. You know, can't feel inside your head. But during praise and worship, God was touching it. I believe completely healing it. I believe it's gone. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. God has tremendous things in store for each and every one of us during this time as we come to congregate together to receive from the Lord. We've got many people from, from other churches that are, that are coming to these meetings, and we're grateful. We're one big family, and uh, the Father likes to show off. He likes to take care of his children, amen? And, uh, you know, I've had to convince several people that God is more in love with their kids than they are. I've had to convince them because uh, it's very hard for us to believe that God would be more giving towards our children than we as parents are. But guess what? He is. Amen? And uh, he has something good with your name on it today. Amen? Hallelujah. So the, the key verse for this... Um, time of services is found in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 38. It's the unadulterated gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, let it be known. This is the first recorded message that the Apostle Paul preached. We have Jesus' uh, message that he taught around in, in uh, Luke 4. But we have the Apostle Paul's first gospel message recorded in Acts 13. And he says, let it be known to you, therefore... Brothers, that through this man, Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Amen? Hallelujah. You can't add to that. You can't take it away. Forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Amen? But then he goes on and says, And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. I tell you what, that's good news. Hallelujah. Because of the forgiveness of sins, we have been freed from everything. Amen? That the law of Moses could not do this, only the work of Jesus Christ. And praise God, we're going to preach the unadulterated gospel message, even if it slaps us in the face, even if it corrects us and aligns us, even if it makes us uncomfortable in the name of Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. Now, who's this from? Bob Horn, okay. Well, I tell you what, the Lord's really moving here. Healing is the children's bread, he says with an exclamation point. Glory, exclamation point. And if you know uh, Bob Horn, it's glory. That's what he said. Joe has been wearing a brace on her right hand for three weeks. Doctors said severe tendinitis going into the wrist bone. While listening to Pastor Gonzalez this morning on healing, she felt a pop in her right knuckle joint, and the pain stopped. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the answer. Amen. 
Hallelujah. He has more in store for us. Amen. So without further ado, I, I, I want to introduce our guests that will be kicking off our conference for the, the rest of the week. Um, we run across Chad. Chad has graduated with many people that I've worked with, um, and uh, I didn't know anything about him. I started seeing him on social media. Pastor Kevin started listening to some of his stuff, said, hey, you got to listen to this guy, Chad Gonzalez. And I said, okay, you know how pastors are. All right, whatever, you know. And um, the, the, the thing about it is, I'll take it under advisement. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is, is when, when God begins to give you revelation, like he, you know, started in my life in 2016. Now, I'd been in ministry for over 20 years by that time. But uh, when I went through what I went through and I started pursuing God and getting uh, God began to speak to me about things, uh, God always has other people he's talking to. You can never say it's mine or it's my individual thing, you know. There's always somebody, and I'll say it this way, there's always somebody that can do it better. And uh, you begin to listen to someone who, who has gotten on the same wavelength and, and then they're doing it better than you, and I think that that's important that we say, I need to have this person in. So we're very, very grateful to have the Gonzalez, with, Gonzalez family with us, and we're grateful to have Chad with us. Let's give him a warm welcome as he comes up to minister this morning. Praise the Lord. Well, for, for some people that are wondering, I'm not Mexican. I've got the last name Gonzalez. We confuse people. Um, I actually, my family is uh, originally from Spain, but we've actually got more German in us than anything. And then my mom's side is Cajun French. So I just told everybody I'm a true American. I'm a mutt. Um, I don't speak Spanish. I'm learning Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but I got the last name. Uh, my dad has uh, blue eyes and kind of lightish color hair and by blood Gonzalez, but most people in America don't know geography, so they, I was always accused as a kid of swimming across the river and told to go back. But they should have got it right and said go across the ocean, but they didn't know. In Texas, they think Mexico and Spain's the same thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, I want to recognize some very special people that are here this morning. Uh, my dear friends Vidar and Catherine Lagarde and their families here. Uh, they're kind of one of my heroes. I mean, they're, they're dear friends of mine, but kind of one of my heroes. They actually are from Norway, but they are over Rama, Kenya. Uh, how many campuses do y'all have now? Eight. Eight campuses in Kenya, like taking over Kenya. You've been there 12, 13, 15 years. And um, taking over Kenya, all their schools are like self-sufficient and stuff. And so now they're actually moving into the Congo, right? And uh, starting a campus there and uh, just doing tremendous, tremendous things. So it always excites me to see people going to another country and, and doing those type of things. And uh, that's something that Lacey and I, we've ha had our heart. And I, I think that's why I've been so inspired by them. I didn't say this in the second or first service, uh, so I should this service. But this is my wife, Lacey. And uh, she's right here. She's not going to look at you, but she's here. And then... <laughs> Our son, Jake, he just turned 13, so we've got a teenager uh, in the house, turned 13 a couple weeks ago. But we've really had London on our heart uh, and starting a work there in London. And so uh, for some of you who may know who we are, kind of follow some things, we've started this thing called the Healing Academy. 
And right now it's a video-based, uh, book-based curriculum that we've got. But it's eventually going to be an in-person, like, training thing that we're going to do in London, England. And so we've actually been trying to get over there this year and all these restrictions and quarantines and stuff. So as soon as that opens back up, uh, we're going to head over there for, you know, a month or two and start working on getting some things together. Uh, but healing's really been uh, on our hearts, been my passion. It's been our focus uh, for about 15 years now. We've pastored for, two, uh, for 15 years, but healing had always been kind of right there. And about four years ago, some things started churning on the inside of me that, hey, it's about time to put this first. Because for a while, I was kind of like here as far as starting churches and pastoring and here as far as the healing piece. And, and I knew it was time we needed to put the focus on where my heart really was. And so that's what we're going after. And just like we told everybody before, I'll be the first one to say I don't have it all together. My doctrine isn't perfect, uh, but we are moving forward. And when you start seeing 51% of the people healed, you know you're headed in the right direction. And so uh, we, we passed that a long time ago. And so we've been in services seeing 75, 80% kind of minimum. And we've been in a lot of services where uh, everybody that had something you could see, feel, uh, walked out healed. And that's just the way it should normally be uh, because of who we are and, and the sin problem being taken care of, like we were singing about in the scripture and some things we're going to talk about this morning. But uh, we've got these books that are out there. These three are part of the, the first volume of the Healing Academy. These are kind of our core books. Uh, natural Supernatural, Possessors of Life, and Think Like Jesus. This one, we actually have it in Spanish. I can't read it, but we have it in Spanish. <laughs> and, we, and we do have it out there. Um, and we have this in Urdu. So if you know anybody from Pakistan or India, we just had this translated in Urdu, and we had a 1,000 copies given out for a pastor's conference we're doing. Um, this one is in uh, uh, Polish and in Korean. And this one is in Polish, Korean, and Chinese, and something else. So anyway, and then we've got this one out there called An Alternate Reality. Uh, it's talking about living from the spirit realm and seeing like Jesus sees. This is about thinking like Jesus thinks. So anyway, those are out there for you if you'd like to avail yourself to them. Enough about that. Grab your Bibles, and let's turn over to Luke chapter 5. And uh, so what we're going to talk about this morning actually ties in great to the scripture. I thought pastor was going to steal my thunder the first service he started talking about it. <laughs> Luke chapter 5, we're just going to, we're going to be kind of teach you this morning, and then tonight at 7 o'clock, we're just going to kind of see what happens. But I, I, I can tell you what's going to happen. People are going to get healed. I just can't tell you where we're going to go with it. But we're just going to kind of flow and have some fun, and so bring people tonight. But what we're going to talk about this morning is just going to be kind of a foundation is something for you to kind of chew on through the day and start preparing your soul, your, your mind uh, for tonight. But Luke chapter 5, pretty familiar story here, a real true story. And it was a paralyzed man who was brought to Jesus for healing. Uh, verse 17 says they were gathered together and it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It's because Jesus was there. Jesus was a possessor of life, a container of this life, a container of this healing power. And where Jesus is, the healing power is there. Verse 18, it says, men brought, uh, Behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. They sought to bring in and lay before him, but they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd. So they went up on the housetop, laid him down with his bed through the tile into the midst before Jesus. 
And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And I just think it's kind of comical in one sense because you have a guy coming to get healed and Jesus says, you're forgiven. And I don't know about you, but I mean, if you were going to a healing meeting for healing, if someone was to tell you, well, you're forgiven, well, that's kind of the wrong thing. You didn't come to get forgiven, you came to get healed, right? But Jesus looks at the guy and knowingly sees that there's an issue and says, you're forgiven. Well, the Pharisees, they get mad and say, who's this guy think that he is? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus says, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, now this is real important. He said, which is easier to say, man, your sins are forgiven you or rise up and walk. Jesus said, which one is easier? In other words, Jesus equates them as having the same weight or you could go even further with it and say, when you take care of one, you take care of the other. Because essentially when Jesus said, man, you're forgiven, Jesus was actually also saying, man, you're healed. That's what Jesus said. He said, man, you're healed. But he said, man, you're forgiven, and the guy didn't get it. But you have to understand Jewish culture, they believe that if someone was sick, blind, maim, whatever, COVID, you know, somebody had something, it was because somebody sinned. That was the understanding because most of those people had a very good understanding of their covenant, their old covenant, the covenant they had with God. Because under the old covenant, that covenant they had with God, healing was already theirs. It was theirs to lose. Healing was theirs. And they, they thought that if someone was sick, if someone had an issue, it was because someone sinned. And so you see that with a man that was born blind. When the disciples saw him, they immediately asked Jesus, Jesus, who sinned? Somebody had to sin here. Somebody had to mess up, screw up. Somebody did something bad because this guy was born blind. And Jesus immediately turns around and says, this guy didn't do anything. His parents didn't do anything, right? Because sometimes it's not because of sin. It's just because of this cursed world that we live in. Some bad things happen to good people. People, they're born into this world. Some things kind of go awry. And it's kind of one of these things in this natural world that goes on. But they, they had this understanding that if I'm walking in the will of God, if I'm walking according to what God has told me to do, we see it in Exodus chapter 15, right? Verse 26, 27, God said, as long as you do those things that are pleasing unto my eyes, you, you walk according to the things I've told you, the sicknesses and diseases that have come upon the Egyptians, they will not come upon you, right? You read that part? See, y'all are the quiet bunch. I got used to the early bunch and they were loud. You, you got to sleep in late, so you have no excuse. <clears throat> I guess they came early and got excited so they could go to the lake. So y'all are letting them get there first. <laughs> so they understood this. Healing was already theirs to lose. You see it in Psalm 91. Come on, you, you guys know this, Psalm 91. If you abide under the shelter, you abide in him, abide under him. No sickness plague will come near this tent. In other words, they were already healed. Healing was already theirs unless they stepped outside of the will of God and then sickness came. So you could say it like this. They were never on defense. They were always on offense. Or you could say they already had the ball. It was theirs to lose, so to speak. That was under the old covenant. Come on, y'all had some extra sleep. This is a smart group. They had some, that was under the old covenant. But the Bible says that under the new covenant, 
we have a better covenant established upon better promises. So that must mean, smart people, we've got it better than them, right? And that must mean for us to have a better covenant, we have to have at the very least the best of what was in the old, plus some for the covenant we have with God, the relationship we have with God. It must be all the good plus. And under the old, they already had it. Unless sin got in the way and then they lost it. So Jesus is sitting here and saying, man, your sins are forgiven you. Essentially what Jesus was saying is, hey buddy, you're healed. But the guy didn't understand it, didn't get it. So Jesus has to break it down and go down to his level a little bit because obviously this guy is more body conscious than he is spirit conscious. This is a smart group. We might go a little deeper this morning, this, this session. Obviously he was more body conscious than spirit conscious because he didn't get it. He didn't understand that when sin is taken out of the way, or you could say the source that funnels sickness and disease and death and the curse and addictions and depression, depression, when the source is taken away, all the byproducts are taken away. He didn't get it. He was like a lot of us who say, well, yeah, but I don't have it. I mean, don't you see? Well, what Jesus was letting them know is <clears throat> that healing, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And I told the first service, I mean, when I started seeing that, I was seeing it here, but it took me a while to get it here because I was trying to kind of rectify in my mind, but how is it spiritual when I need it here? I mean, because this is telling me it's not there, but you're not going to find it here. You're going to find it somewhere else. You're going to find it in you. Let me say that again. You're not going to find it in this. You're going to find it in you. You are not a body. You are a what? You're a spirit. I know he's been teaching you all this for a while. He recently, because I was listening. I was taking notes, you know. But I mean, we've, we've got this decent understanding. And I mean decent. I'm trying to be nice. But I mean, we've got this concept in our head. I am a spirit. I have a soul, our mind, will, emotions, and I live in a body. But beyond that, we don't really have it. Because we're always looking to this to tell me who I am and what I have, if I have it or not. And we don't realize this thing right here is just a tool. It's just a tool. It's just a container. Just to tell you, I did this, this message a few weeks ago. It was kind of this trial thing. I got this kind of epiphany while I was driving down to Houston, Texas, and I thought I'd try it out. I'm not real big on illustrations. I'm kind of boring. Lacey's the fun one. She comes up with all this crazy fun stuff. And I tend to be a little bit more serious. But I had this idea about a pizza in a box. And so I used it to teach people that you're a spirit or you're a pizza. You're not the box. You're the pizza in the box. And yet it was interesting when I brought out this hot, fresh pizza that came straight from Domino's. I didn't even show them the pizza. I asked them what it is. And they said, it's a pizza. And I said, but how do you know it's a pizza? You're just looking at the box. But it was interesting that the pizza, this hot pizza was making the box hot. 
And it was interesting that the box had the smell of the pizza in it. In other words, what was on the inside was affecting what was on the outside. And the box wasn't the pizza. The only purpose of the box was to take the pizza where it needed to go. And so we had people smell the box and feel the box and ask them, what is it? And they said, it's a pizza. And I said, y'all are more pizza conscious than we are spirit conscious. Because you look at this and you say, it's a body. No, 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 this is a spirit in a body. And so when Jesus is saying, man, your sins are forgiven you, or saying, man, you're healed, he's talking about your spirit. <clears throat> and then those type of people who, who will sit there and say, oh, well, it's not God's will for your body to be healed. It's a spiritual healing. Then they, they seize on it and say, see, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah, but see, but you're being ignorant because it goes a lot further than that because you got to realize that what's in your spirit was made to affect in your body. <clears throat> we're going to see that here in a few moments. And then we're going to spend some time on it tonight and see a whole bunch of people get healed without even laying hands on you. Like sitting in your seat, just get healed or walk in, the, walk in the doors and you get healed as soon as you drive up on the parking lot type of deal. <clears throat> so you're the pizza, you're not the box. You're a spirit, you're not a body. But this guy right here, very, very carnal, very, very body conscious. No concept of spirit, no concept of righteousness, no concept of who I really, really am. Jesus said, you're forgiven. So what Jesus was saying was, if, if, you're, if you're forgiven, you're also healed. But what he's also showing us, and we could spend another hour just on this piece, what he's also showing us that, that forgiveness and healing, they're the same. Not, one is not harder than the other. And if we're real honest with ourselves and humble about it, in the church today, regardless of what denominational religious circle, we very much believe that the forgiveness is ours, it's for us, it's ours, and it's very easy. I mean, all I've got to do is just confess or whatever your particular belief is and receive of what's already been provided. But when it comes to healing now, then we've got to fast and pray for 21 days and we've got to get the prayer groups and we got to send out the, the chain emails and we got to call all of our friends and we got to get everybody praying and everybody working and doing all these things because we got to pray to get God to heal this person. And yet it's comical because we know it to be true because when's the last time you saw someone get on social media and start a prayer chain for forgiveness? You know, Aunt Susie, Uncle Bobby, they sin really bad. <laughs> Everybody start praying. We need God to forgive Aunt Susie and Uncle Bobby. Everybody fast and pray. Get, call everybody you can. We need to get as many people praying as possible because they sin really, really bad. We've got to bombard the gates of heaven and try to convince God to stop twiddling his thumbs and get off his butt and forgive somebody. <laughs> we got to pray really hard. Get everybody praying. You know, let's start this, let's sponsor this, this post on Facebook to get as many people as we can to pray that God would forgive Aunt Susie. That's a Christian. We don't do that because we think forgiveness is easy. And, and yet I, I never really thought about it until this morning when, when Pastor and I were talking in his office. But, but if you think about it, our spirit being the real important piece, the real us, the one that our eternity is tied to, we don't think that's a big deal. 
Like, it's just not a big deal. If I sinned, I messed up, or somebody sinned, messed up, it's just not a big deal. I don't think too much about it. It doesn't take much faith for me to commit what I can't see to someone who I can't see to affect my eternity that I can't see. But then when it comes to this body, we've made it to be a big, big, big deal. So that when someone's uh, diagnosed with cancer, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, Instagram, get everybody praying, because this is a big, big deal. And we've got to get everybody praying so we can get God to heal Aunt Susie because she's been diagnosed with cancer. We don't want her to die. This is a big, big deal. The doctor said there isn't much that we can do. This is a big, big deal. Why? Why is it a big deal? Because we're saved, but we're still looking at life like a sinner. For the sinner, there is no hope. They have to rely on medicine. They have to rely on doctors. They have no connection, no fellowship with God, no access to the life of God. They're not the righteousness of God in Christ. They're not seated at the right hand of God. They're not filled with the Holy Ghost. They don't have the authority and the power of heaven at their disposal. All they've got is what they have in their natural resources. That's it. But you and I, we shouldn't be looking at life and life situations like a sinner. When we get a cancer diagnosis, and this is just a reality check, when we get a cancer diagnosis, it should be no more effect to us than if someone said you have the flu. Why? Because in reality, in this world, in this cursed world, sickness is sickness. But, oh, this is interesting. But isn't it interesting? We have a pretty good idea that really sin is sin. I'm telling you, we could spend a good hour or two just talking about this sin-sickness correlation here. Not saying, again, don't, don't take and put words in my mouth, not saying that because someone's sick, it's because someone's sin. I mean, sometimes that could be the case. I mean, a lot of times in America, it's just because we don't eat right and don't exercise, but that's a different story. I'll just put it out there. You can't be eating McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts every day, have type two diabetes and think the devil's your problem. A lot of people in America don't need heal. They need a diet. They need exercise. They need to be led by the Holy Ghost and control their body. There's a reason that America is the number one leader in heart disease, arthritis, cancer, this and that. We're the number one producer of medications. We're also the number one taker of medications. That's where a lot of people just get up and walk out. Don't talk about my food. <laughs> so, so sometimes it's not sin. Sometimes it's, it's the environment that you're in. Sometimes it's the things you're just shoving in your mouth. You know, sometimes it's those type of things. But we, 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 we understand, I mean, sin, sin. Whether you lie to someone, I mean, in the, in the world, it's different. But in the eyes of God, I mean, if, if you lied or you had a bad thought, or, you know, you yelled at your spouse, you kicked the dog. I mean, you did something, you lost your timber, you flipped somebody off at the intersection. Like, you know, you talked about one of these people in here out there because they sat in your seat, like something like that. Like, what, but I mean, we view them as the same. Sin, sin. See, that's us being spiritual. But then when it comes to this body, we get carnal. And we view some sicknesses as more serious than the others. So even you could break it down even more. When's the last time you started a prayer chain for somebody to get healed of a flu? When's the last time somebody started a prayer chain for somebody to, you know, 
get healed of a, I don't know, broken foot or something like that. But where you start to see that the church as a whole still sees life as a sinner is when we respond just like the sinner. In other words, you could say it like this. We should not be responding to diseases and sickness the same way as the people that are shut off and cut off from God. We shouldn't see it the same. But because we see it the same, it's why we still get the same results. I'm going to say this. I just feel like I maybe have some liberty because this is the smart crowd and, and the really, really humble and open and hungry and teachable crowd. There's not as many people in here in this service as the first service to offend. Maybe that's the liberty. I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 but hear my heart, okay? Hear my heart. We've got to get better at this. And you know just as well as I do, maybe you don't want to admit it, but you know just as well as I do that us faith people as a whole, we may know the scriptures of healing, but we're really not seeing any better results than any other denomination. We should be able to do this on purpose, not on accident. And so I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm hungry. I mean, I'm ask, I'm, I turned 45 this year. I'm asking more questions now than I've ever asked before. And the reason is I'm hungry and I'm being humble because I'm realizing I don't have it all. I don't know it all, but I know I can. And the Spirit of God's my teacher. But if what I've been doing isn't getting the results I need, then maybe what I'm doing is wrong. Maybe there's some things in my doctrine that needs to be tweaked, touched up, maybe totally removed, changed, added to. But I mean, I had this thought a while back. And again, do not get offended, okay? I've got family that's been in this situation, so do not get offended. But we've got to start thinking like this. We've got to start thinking about these things so that we can get some better results. But think about this. This is just kind of a rabbit trail, but we're just kind of go with it and we'll come back. Think about this. The person who has God on the inside of them, we're the temple of God, right? I mean, everybody believes Christian, denomination, whatever, Baptist, Methodist, whatever. We believe we're the temple of God. God lives on the inside of us, okay? I don't know about you, but for me, I have a problem. And again, I'm saying I've got family that's been in this situation, so I'm not criticizing. I just want us to sit here and just humbly think about this. There should be a problem with the person who's filled with God sitting next to someone who's filled with the devil and yet them both taking the same treatment for the same disease. That's a problem. I mean, because wouldn't you think? I mean, this is just me and my common sense brain. This is where I'm, I'm starting to get in trouble in my older, grayer years. Because, because, I mean, just, let's just put that aside. If you, have the, if you have the creator of the universe in you, and remember what Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father, the devil. If you got one person with God, and you got one person with the devil, and they both have the same disease, shouldn't there be a difference? I mean, something's, and again, Humbly, I mean, my, I've got family members that's had cancer and we've gone through things and thank God we've had the victory and this and that. And, and this isn't being critical. I just want us to think, think about it. 
as, as a motivation, not, a, not as a criticism, not as condemnation, but as motivation. Hey, we've got to get better. We've got to go further. Because look at our world right now. How many people in our government, our world is looking to the church for an answer for COVID? They ain't looking to the church. Why? Church don't have it. Oh, but we got God on the inside of us. I'm a temple of God. I got the greater one on the inside of me. Well, do we? Because if we do, there should be a difference. You're telling me that someone that's filled with God, that it's okay, that it's right, because it's not right, that it's right, that someone filled with God should be sitting beside someone filled with the devil and still getting each one having the same chemicals and poisons pumped into their body. And it's a 50-50 shot as to which one. And you wanna see how, how much we're still thinking like a sinner? Because one of them goes through chemo, both, both go through chemo. One comes out cancer-free. And us Christians talk about the miracle of God that just took place. Wait, what? You mean the sinner went through chemo and they came out cancer-free. The Christian went through chemo, they came out cancer-free. But we wanna rejoice and talk about the miracle of God, how God's the healer in that situation. I'm not saying God can't help us where we're at, but I'm saying something is wrong when the person that's, that the daddy, their, their daddy's the devil and they're going through the same stuff, yet we call ours a miracle. What a man did that they're practicing and kills some people and helps other people. Even the medications that people take. Kill some, help some. The ones that it helps, we call it a miracle. What are you calling the one that killed them? So you mean God kills some people and helps some people? Why is it that we don't attribute to a mechanic when they change out your engine and call it a miracle? I got 200,000 miles in this car, but you wouldn't believe it. I mean, praise God, the mechanic, he got, a, I got a brand new engine in that thing. It's a miracle. When's the last time that you praised your plumber for unclogging your pipes? Something wasn't working right. It was clogged up and he took it out and you got on Facebook and talked about the miracle that just happened for you. Well, in one sense, why is it any different when the doctor takes out an old heart and puts in a new heart? Why is it any different that, you know, when, when doctor puts in poisons for, you know, chemo to get rid of cancer and we call it a miracle when they live and we don't know what to call it when they die, we, we start questioning, where's God? Like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking. But see, we gotta start thinking like, we, we have normalized what the world calls normal. That should not be our normal. I mean. Grateful for the mercies of God and the things that are available and technology and medicine and this and that. And if we have to get to that point and we do that, then we do that. And then we go on and get victory in the next situation. But we've got to start thinking differently because in reality, the world should be looking to us. We shouldn't be looking to the world to get the very same results. The world should be, we are the, we're the salt. We're the light. Why isn't the government calling the churches and saying, hey, do you have a solution for this COVID thing? No, there is too much money. There's a different story, but <laughs> big pharma. But where's the big God? I mean, where's the big church? Where's the big believer that has something great on the inside of them? Where is that person? 
Well, I'm telling you, it's us. We just got to come to this realization. And so running back on the rabbit trail to the main thing, when Jesus is saying, your sins are forgiven you, rise and walk, which one is, they're the same. Well, then when you begin to understand that the sin problem's been taken care of, then automatically, because it's the source, the byproduct's been taken care of too. It's already been taken care of. And that's what Jesus was trying to relate to this unsaved man. Unsaved, under the old covenant. Well, many of you know 1 Peter 2.24, right? It says what? All right, so half the crowd just proved my point from the first service. So half the crowd said, by his stripes, you are healed, which is correct. But there's, a, there's more to it than that, right? 1 Peter 2.24 says what? Yes, yeah, smartest person in the room, right? First Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins. He did what? He took our sins, became our sins. That we having done what? Died to sin. Now, wait a minute. Jesus equated sin and sickness. Same. So, I mean, you, you could change out the word sin for sickness and you're not adding to or taking away. He bore our sins. He bore our sicknesses on the body, on the tree, that we having died to sins, we having died to sickness, that we would live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So what we've done with 1 Peter 2.24 is we've made the byproduct the focus. We've made healing the focus. But friends, as long as the byproduct is your focus, you're not going to experience the byproduct. You have to have the source. And the source is righteousness and righteousness comes from your union with Christ. And so what you see here in 1 Peter 2.24, what a lot of us faith people have done is we're just like the paralyzed man. We're body conscious. And so we're going around quoting, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And the whole time we're looking at this. But we shouldn't be looking to this because that healing power, it's not here. It's in my spirit, me, the real me. So I need to become spirit conscious. I need to become righteousness conscious. You need to be like Brother Hagin said, you need to be inside minded. Why? Because what's on the inside was designed by God to affect on what's on the outside. When you get, you can say it like this, when you get righteous, you get so right that it's supposed to right all the wrongs in the body. It's supposed to right the unrighteousness. That through righteousness, that's where healing flows. And so you could say it like this, that the more spirit conscious you become, the more righteousness conscious you become, the more God conscious you become of the source, then the byproduct's supposed to be just natural. In other words, you could say it like this, we were never designed to try to get ourselves healed. And yet, isn't it interesting, again, under the old covenant, they believed healing was already theirs. But if they sinned, they could lose it. But thank God that I've been made righteous. And my righteousness is not based on my actions. This is called grace. Now, it's not a license to sin. Grace really gives you the ability to live a sinless life just like Jesus. But what it does is, is it frees you 
from all of the stuff out here that would try to get you to look to out here, depend on the things out here, because it's not about out here, it's not even about this, it's about who I am. Second Corinthians 5, 21 says, Jesus became sin, so I would become the righteousness of God, where? In Christ, so it's in this position, I have everything that I need. God is not your problem. God's not withholding, he's never holding out on you. He's not holding out on you. Us faith people, we don't say it, but a lot of us still think it. That when it comes to healing, he's holding out. That's why we say, you know, I'm just, I'm just standing for my healing. Which, what most people mean is, I've done everything I need to do, I'm just waiting on him. That's what most people believe with it. Now, certainly we stand against the, the attacks of Satan and the enemy and this and that. But for, for too many, when it comes to healing, I'm standing for my healing and it's been five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. God is not the problem. God's not withholding. If in Ephesians 1, 3, God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, God's not holding out. And when God made me righteous, according to 1 Peter 2, 24, which we all hold dear to our hearts and we confess all the time, God isn't holding out healing because when I was made righteous, or you could say, when I was forgiven, I was also healed. Yeah, but you don't see what's going on in my body. It's not about your body. Stop making your body a big deal. Stop looking at this because this is not the source. You as a spirit being, it's your, it's your spirit that's made righteous, not your body. Well, if your spirit was made righteous, and it's through that righteousness that healing flows, then stop focusing on this. Stop focusing on this. Well, yeah, but you don't understand, I could die, so what? Oh, we'll sing it when we all get to heaven. What a day that will be. Doctor gives you a diagnosis, you got six months. Oh my God, what am I gonna do? I don't wanna die. Well, I thought you were rejoicing on Sunday. Woo! Can't wait to see Jesus and get to heaven. But now I'm gonna die, I don't wanna die, I don't wanna die, why? Because even heaven's not real to us. Jesus isn't real to us. Spiritual things aren't real to us. We just sing the songs and quote the confessions and then, but we don't really believe it. So what if you died? Woo, we still have the victory. I get to be with Jesus face to face. So what if you died? But you gotta understand, even Jesus said, if you wanna save your life, you gotta be willing to lose it. And the reason so many people have a hard time, Christians, faith people, have a hard time when it comes to healing is they don't wanna die. But when you're willing to lay your life on the line and, and you submit your body unto God in the very same way you would submit your spirit, you just put yourself in a place to walk in divine health. Because we're allowing fear of death to rule us and friends, I'm telling you, you can, you can make all the confessions you want, you can say all the faith scriptures you want, but if you're doing it from a place of fear, it ain't gonna work. And too many faith Christians, word of faith people, are so afraid of death, they were quoting and confessing and trying to work, for, they're trying to work faith from a position of fear. And it will not work, why? Because from that position, you are focused on this and not who you are. 
And when you are focused on this, that means you are more aware of this. And what you are most aware of is what is most real to you. And what is most real to you, that's what you're gonna truly have your faith on, whether, whether purposely or not. And what you have your faith on, it will always, always, always produce. So in reality, it's about what am I most conscious about? What am I most conscious of? What am I most aware of? What is my perspective? What am I really seeing? It's not denying the problems that are out here. It's recognizing who I am, and that determines my response to the things that are trying to come against this. Righteousness. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed because of righteousness. So real quick, we got a little less than, or about a little over five minutes. Look over at Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight and verse 10. So what you start to see is, and we, I mean, we don't have a lot of time to go into it, but what you start to see is as you go into this is that as a Christian, I already have what I need. I already have it. The problem is I'm still looking through the lens of a sinner, even though I'm saved. I'm still looking at it as a sinner. That's why, I mean, this, this, is, this is so good, so important. We mentioned it the, the first session we'll talk about tonight too. But this shows you as a church, even us faith people, we still see like a sinner. We see so much like a sinner that we still identify with the sinners that Jesus ministered to. That's why when many, many of us, we preach faith and healing, we look at the individual stories of Jesus and there's great faith principles there. You know, the woman with issue blood and she kept saying, you know, if I could just touch him as God, you, you see that and being sold out. I mean, she, she's laid aside everything else. Nothing else worked. I mean, Jesus is it. If I can just get to Jesus. We see all these stories, but we identify with the sinner. We identify with the person trying to get to Jesus. And so identifying as a brand new creation in Christ who is in Jesus. So as long as you see yourself as a sinner, you're gonna see yourself separated from Christ, even though you wear the t-shirt, I'm a brand new creature in him. See, we sing the songs, we wear the t-shirt, we have the posters, but we do not believe it. I smile. I'm a brand new creature in Christ. Old things pass away, all things become new, but I still identify as the woman with the issue of blood trying to get to Jesus because I don't have what I need. But even under the old covenant, they believed and understood healing was already theirs. And under the new covenant, healing is already ours because I've been made righteous. The ball's been put in my hands. I'm on offense, but we still think we're on defense trying to get the ball. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get the ball because I'm on defense. No, no, no. You're on offense. When you got saved, Jesus put the ball back in your hand. That was a part of salvation. And yet the wonderful thing is that you're gonna find out here in Romans is the fact that the two greatest differences in healing under the old covenant and the new covenant, the same was under the old covenant, it was already theirs. Under the new covenant, it's already yours. But in the old covenant, they were still susceptible to sickness and disease because they were still alive to it. Under the new covenant, because we died to sin and we died to sickness, we're dead to it. So we're dead to it. 
So therefore, the only way that I could participate in it is if I participated in it. In other words, I decide to make myself alive to it. Okay. Look, Romans chapter 8, verse 10, real quick. He said, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Remember, what's the part of us that got saved? It's my spirit. What's the part of me that became righteous? My spirit, me, the real me. This, dead because of sin, but the spirit, my born again, recreated spirit, the spirit is life because of what? Because of righteousness, rightness, and the very way God is right, I'm right. We've got to get a hold of that. And the very way God is pure, I'm pure. And the very way God is holy, I'm holy. Yes, am I working out my salvation? Yes, we all are. And there's a great difference between uh, perfection and maturity. But in the eyes of God, because of the, the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that was made, I was made perfect while I am being sanctified. In other words, even in my mess, I'm just like the Messiah. I'm per Why? Because God, as holy and pure and blameless as he is, think about it. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 19 through 21, he said, on the day of salvation, you'll know the Father's in me and I am in you, right? We find out that salvation was really about union. He prays about this in John 17. He said, Father, I pray that just as I'm one with you and you are one with me, that they would be one with us. You cannot be united with the Holy One, the blameless one, the right one, and you have a blemish. For you to be united with God, you have to be just as blameless. You have to be just as holy. You have to be just as pure. You have to be just as perfect as he is. Why? Because he cannot unite with something that's unholy. Even the slightest little blip of a blemish. You cannot have that. You cannot be that to be united with him. Salvation was so perfect. Redemption was so perfect. It was so perfect that you are just like him. Because you have to be. It's not about you. You have to be just as perfect as he is. But that wasn't Brother Hagin's idea. It wasn't some televangelist. That was God's idea in Genesis 1, 26. Let's make man in our image, according to our likeness, let's make them to be like us. Adam screwed it up. The second Adam came to fix it. And so because we're united with him, we're perfect and blameless. We're righteous, we're right. In the very way God is right, you're right. Have we made mistakes? Yes. But that does not determine my righteousness, my rightness. Jesus determined that. See, is, aren't you thankful that, that God in the new covenant, he didn't make the covenant with you? This is the grace piece that's missing in much of our faith teaching. He didn't make the covenant with you because we would have messed it up. He made it with himself. So that even when I make mistakes, thank God, where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. Where sickness abounded, healing abounded even more. Why? Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And any unrighteousness that tries to affect my body, the righteousness that I am will overpower and supersede anything that's ungodly, anything that's of darkness that will try to come against the light because the light always overcomes the darkness. But if I don't know that it's there, 
then I'm still gonna get the results as a sinner, even though I've got it on the inside of me. Look, real quick. He said, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to what? Your mortal bodies. So in other words, because of righteousness, because of your rightness, your position with the Father, what's on the inside is supposed to affect what's on the outside. Because the sin problem was taken care of. So the sickness problem was taken care of. Righteousness is supposed to affect. So that's why you can start to see healing as a spiritual thing. And, and, and you see it right here. Your, your spirit is life because of righteousness and because of your position and because of what's on the inside of your spirit because of righteousness, it's supposed to affect the, the outward physical body. What's on the inside working on the outside? Oh, what a change in my life. I don't know if you grew up in church in the 80s like I did, but we used to sing a song that said, I've got a spirit of... Yeah, I've got a river of life. He's a smart guy. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, spring up a well down in my soul, spring up a well that makes me whole. And that was back in the 80s and we still hadn't figured that out. I mean, we sang it, we didn't believe it. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Now God heal me. Because I don't have it. Wait a minute, you just said you did. But isn't that what we've been doing with 1 Peter 2, 24? By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. God, I need you to heal me. Well, I mean, I thought he did. I thought he put it in there. See, the problem is we're body conscious and we need to be spirit conscious. He said, the spirit of him raised from the dead, give life to your mortal bodies. Verse 12, look at it. Therefore, we're not debtors to the flesh. In other words, it's not about your body. Stop listening to your body. Stop trying to obey your body because it's not in your body. What you're looking for ain't there. In other words, you could say it like this. You're looking in the wrong warehouse. You know, I used to work retail when I was in college. I didn't realize the time. I used to work retail when I was in college. I worked for Victoria's Secrets. Really did. Best job I ever had. I was 20 years old. I was a stock boy. I loved going to work. <laughs> my best friend's uh, brother's girlfriend was the manager. So she hired me and my, my college roommate to be some stock boys. And man, we loved going to work. We, we were the best workers. We got everything done in the warehouse and then we got out on the floor so we could mingle. But it was interesting in work in retail is that when we were out there on the floor, no, we were there to help people. And while we were there on the floor, if someone came up and said, I was looking for this and, this and that and it's not on the shelf, well, the girls that were on the floor that didn't know what was in the warehouse, they would say, well, we're out of it. But we knew it was in the warehouse. So we could go to the warehouse and get what it looked like wasn't out there. But if I went to JCPenney's warehouse, I wasn't gonna find it. And I went to Sears warehouse, I wasn't gonna find it. Best Buy's warehouse, I wasn't gonna find it. And a lot of us, we're going to the wrong warehouse. And we need to look to the warehouse of our spirit because it's in our spirits 
that what we've desired and looked for, God already gave it to us. He already gave it to us. He already gave it to us. It's already there. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I've got the life of God on the inside of, in my spirit. And what's in my spirit, God designed and created it to make manifest in my body. It's a wonderful, wonderful revelation, and yet it's so simple that we've overcomplicated it. And we've made it so hard. Made it so hard. But healing and forgiveness, healing is supposed to be just as easy just as natural, just as normal. That's forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Say it with me. Thank God I'm forgiven. Thank God I'm forgiven. And as a result, I'm healed. And I thank you as a result that healing power is flowing in my body right now. Because I'm forgiven. I'm righteous. I'm right. I'm holy and pure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And therefore, it's flowing into my body. My body's lining up with my spirit. I will not let sickness and disease have dominion over my body because I have a choice. Because I am a spirit. I am a spirit that's filled with God. Top to bottom, wall to wall, all the way around, filled with divinity in my spirit. Hallelujah. One with Christ, and He's one with me. The anointed one and His anointing is flowing in me right now. It's dissolving tumors. It's removing arthritis. It's mending bones. It's fixing hearts and lungs and pancreas and liver. The life of God on the inside of me. It's causing a cure. It's making things to happen for me. It's doing things in my body that the sinner can't touch. It's doing things in my body that the doctors can't do. I've got access to something supernatural on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and just thank Him, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That simple utterance and, and, and simple prayer, that's where we overcomplicate things. We try to make it all wordy. We try to, you know, kind of make it religious. And when we just need to just simply yield to the unction that's on, you know, he led us in, a, in an unction, you know. And uh, it's just as simple as that. How did you get born again? You believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth. Well, it's the same way with healing. It's the same way with any kind of need that you have. In order to get into that warehouse and get it out on the floor, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. You know, I got saved and, and a lot of people, you know, they, they do the sinner's prayer and things of that nature. I did not pray the sinner's prayer. Uh, I came from a... a a meeting, uh, R.W. Shambach, and got in my car, and I just said, Jesus. That's all I said, Jesus. And I passed from death unto life. I, I can tell you from that point forward, because I, I believed in my heart, and I confessed with my mouth, amen? And it's the same way. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I believe that in my heart. 
I confess it with my mouth. And what does that do? That releases the life of God into my body. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Notice what he said in in the scripture in, in, in Luke 5. The power of the Lord to heal them was present, but yet no one was activating it. Amen? So we've got a lot of work to do, but praise God we're on the right track. And uh, we just need to humble ourselves and come tonight and receive and continue to endeavor to go down this path. Amen? Hallelujah. We want to give you an opportunity to bless the man of God here today in this wonderful ministry. So if you would like to do so, you can text to give. You can, uh, you know, uh, give online if you're watching online. This is some good stuff. Amen. Put some meat on your bones. Help you. Amen. And so I'm going to pray over the offering. Now, after I close the service, we're going to have people here that are ready to pray with you for salvation, for um, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whatever needs you have, these people are here to help and assist you. And I'd also encourage you to go to the table and get these materials. I've got several of these books, and uh, we enjoy them very much. And um, so... I'd encourage you to get that. The new one is absolutely excellent and ties in with everything we've been talking about, everything we've been endeavoring to reveal, and I think it'll be a great blessing to you. Amen? And I tell you, that Healing Academy, you need to get a hold of that, Healing Academy. That that is a great tool to help and assist. See, we need to stop buying stuff for us and start buying stuff to help others. Amen? And so get that so that you can learn some things to help somebody else. Amen? Hallelujah. So I'm going to pray, Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you so much for this word, and we just go forth in the power of this word. And we just thank you, Father God, that as we meditate and as we continue to esteem this word, that the life inherent within it will just be released into our lives and bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I encourage you, 7 o'clock tonight is going to be a powerful time. Also, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning as well. Come to every service if you so desire. We'd love to have you. And then we'll have 7 o'clock on Monday night. It's going to be a powerful time. I tell you, the Holy Ghost is moving. We've already had two, three testimonies of people that have been supernaturally healed just by listening to the Word of God. And so... Praise the Lord. I just see that intensifying in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you believe it? I believe it. And I'm expecting. Amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.